All right, Numbers chapter 4. Numbers chapter 4. We're going to do all of Numbers chapter 4, verses 1 through 49. Numbers chapter 4, verses 1 through 49. Now, it's going to take me a little while to re- read this, but I want you to remember that next week, I want, to, I want to inform you, next week, we're only doing four verses. So, this week, 49, but if you can be, you know, good things come to those who wait. To be patient, let's get through Numbers 4 this week, next week, just, just Numbers chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. So, um, so let's, do, let's do the 49 verses of Numbers chapter 4. I'll read them for us. Here's the word of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Take a census of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi by their clans and their fathers' houses from thirty years old up to fifty years old, all who can come on duty to do the work in the tent of meeting. This is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tent of meeting, the most holy things. When the camp is to set out, Aaron and his sons shall go in and take down the veil of the screen and cover the ark of the testimony with it. Then they shall put on it a a covering of goatskin, and spread on top of that a cloth of olive blue, and shall put in its poles. And over the table of the bread of the presence, they shall spread a cloth of blue, and put it on, put on it the plates, the dishes for incense, the bowls, and the flagons for the drink offering. The regular showbread also shall be on it. Then they shall spread over them a cloth of scarlet, and cover the same with a covering of goatskin, and shall put on in its poles. And they shall take a cloth of blue, and cover the lampstand for the light, with its lamps, its tongs, its trays, and all the vessels for the oil with which it is supplied." And then they shall put it with all its utensils in a covering of goatskin and put it on and put it on the carrying frame. And over the golden altar they shall spread a cloth of blue and cover it with a go- covering of goatskin and shall put in its poles. And they shall take all the vessels of the service that are used in the sanctuary and put them in a cloth of blue and cover them with a covering of goatskin and put them on the carrying frame. And they shall take away the ashes from the altar and spread a purple cloth over it. And they shall put on it all the utensils of the altar which are used for the service there, the firepans, the forks, the shovels, and the basins, all the utensils of the altar, and they shall spread on it a covering of goatskin and shall put in its poles. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, and the sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings oops, sorry, of the sanctuary, as the camp sets out, after that all the, the sons of Kohath shall come to carry these, but they must not touch the holy things lest they die. These are the things of the tent of meeting that the sons of Kohath are to carry." And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, shall, take, shall have charge of the light, the oil for the light, the fragrant incense, the regular grain offering, and the anointing oil with the oversight of the whole tabernacle and all that is in it of the sanctuary and its vessels. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Let not the tribe of the clans of the Kohathites be destroyed from among the Levites, but deal thus with them, and they may live, that they may live and not die when they come near to the most holy things. Aaron and his son shall go in and appoint from each to his task and to his burden." But they shall not go in to look on the holy things, even for a moment, lest they die. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take a census of the sons of Gershon also, by their fathers' houses and by their clans, from thirty years old up to fifty years old. You shall list them, all who can come to to do duty, to do service in the tent of meeting. This is the service of the clans of the Gershonites, in serving and bearing burdens. They shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting with its coverings, and the covering of goatskin that is on top of it, and the screen for the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the hangings of the court, and the screen of the, for the entrance of the gate of the court that is around the tabernacle, and the altar, and their courts, and all the equipment for their service. And they shall do all that needs to be done with regard to them. All the service of the sons of the Gershonites shall be at the command of Aaron and his sons, and all that they are to carry, and all that they are to do. And you shall assign to their charge all that they are to carry. This is the service of the clans of the sons of Gershonites in the tent of meeting, 
and their guard duty is to be under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. As for the sons of Merari, you shall list them by their clans and their father's houses from 30 years old up to 50 years old. You shall list them, everyone who can come on duty to do the service of the tent of meeting. And this is what they are charged to carry as the whole of their service in the tent of meeting, the frames of the tabernacle with its bars, pillars, and bases, and the pillars around the court with their bases, pegs, and cords, with all the equipment and all their accessories. And you shall list by name the objects they are required to carry. This is the service of the clans of the sons of Merari, this whole of the service in the tent of meeting under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. And Moses and Aaron and the chiefs of the congregation listed the sons of the Kohathites by their clans and their fathers' houses from 30 years old up to 50 years old, everyone who could come on duty for service in the tent of meeting. And those listed by clans were 2,750. This was the list of the clans of the Kohathites, all who served in the tent of meeting with whom Moses and Aaron listed according to the commandment of the Lord by Moses. Those listed by the sons of Gershon by their clans and their fathers' houses from 30 years old up to 50 years old, everyone who could come on duty to do service in the tent of meeting. Those listed by their clans and their fathers' houses were 2,630. This was the list of the clans of the sons of Gershon, all who served in the tent of meeting, who Moses and Aaron listed according to the command of the Lord. Those listed of the clans of the sons of Merari by their clans and their fathers' houses from 30 years old up to 50 years old, everyone who come on duty for service in the tent of meeting, those listed by clans were 3,200. This was the list of the clans of the sons of Merari, who Moses and, listed, or Moses and Aaron listed according to the command of the Lord by Moses. All those who were listed of the Levites whom Moses and Aaron and the chiefs of Israel listed by their clans and their fathers' houses from 30 years old up to 50 years old, everyone who could come to do the service of ministry and the service of bearing burdens in the tent of meeting, those listed were 8,580. According to the commandment of the Lord through Moses, they were listed, each one with his task of serving or caring. Thus they were listed by him as the Lord commanded Moses. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you noticed something as I was reading. And yes, I practiced that out loud a couple of times. Maybe you noticed something while I was reading. This is not interesting. (laughs) This is boring. I mean, I read it a few times. I was like, yep, this is boring. I mean, I did not know until this week. I mean, there's some cool stuff in there. Like they covered everything with blue, signifying royalty. That's kind of cool. Kind of shows that God is the king. There's some cool little nuggets in there. But overall, mm, eh, this is not riveting stuff. I mean, I've read fascinating stories before. Nope, this is not one. This is basically a list of all of the small jobs that all of the Levites had to do. I did not know until this week that the Gershonites were in charge of carrying the curtains. I didn't know that. I didn't care either, but I didn't know. I didn't know. It's boring, right? The wonderful thing about this chapter, Numbers chapter 4, is it gives us, it gives us a picture right into our lives. It reminds us that this is what serving God has been. Through all the generations, 99% of the stuff we do in the service of God is a little bit boring. It's a little bit routine. It's a little bit mundane. It's kind of like a big, long list of small jobs. That's what this is. A big, long list of small jobs. That's a little bit like what our life is. The wonderful thing about the Levites, one of the many wonderful things about the Levites, is that in, in many ways, they are our spiritual ancestors. First Peter chapter 2 says to us, to those who have trusted Christ as our Savior, 
So I'm, 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 I'm hoping that, that, you, that you count yourself among that number, that you are trusting Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to make you right with God. And if you are, then here's what Peter says to us. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. In Numbers, God makes it clear, the Levites belong to Me. They are, they are to serve Me. And, and Peter says, this is, this is who you are now. You belong to God. Once you had not received mercy, now you've received mercy. Once you were not a people, now you're a people. You are to declare the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So, so we can look at these Levites and we can say, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of like they were. And we can look at our own lives and we can say, yeah, we're kind of like they were. Picking up pegs and putting them down. Picking up cords and putting them down. I wonder if Frankie the Gershonite ever said, you know what? This is the last time I'm picking up this stupid goatskin covering. Tomorrow somebody else is doing it. I'm done with this. I don't know if Frankie the Gershonite did that, but we do it sometimes, don't we? What is the point? What is the point? Am I making any kind of difference here? Is there any value to what I'm doing? We don't know if, if Frankie the Gershonite struggled with that, but I know that we do sometimes. This royal priesthood of, of 2020, we, we do sometimes. So this chapter helps us to understand why every small job matters. Every small job matters. There are four reasons um, that spring from this chapter. Actually, there are three reasons that spring from this chapter, and one I stole from the book of Deuteronomy. But there are four reasons why every small job matters, why it's important. As we go about trying to proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into marvelous light, and usually proclaiming the excellencies of Him who has saved us is, is doing small, small tasks. It's a big, long series of small jobs. And they matter. We have four reasons why here. First reason, the first reason, every small job is specifically given by God. Every small job is specifically given by God. This, this chapter is about the authority of God. The Lord spoke to Moses. That phrase is in this chapter many times. The Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses. Here is how it's going to be. This is what the Gershonites are going to do. This is what the Kohathites are going to do. This is what the Merorites are going to do. This is what they're going to do. And if you're a Gershonite, you can't sit around wishing you were a Kohathite. You can't switch families. God put you in your family. And God gave you your family that job. God gives us our small jobs. God has decided what kind of upbringing we were going to have. God has decided what kind of education we're going to have. God is going to, has decided in what ways I'm, I'm good at life and what ways I'm not good at life. My strengths, my weaknesses... God has given me my friends along the way, my influences along the way. God has placed the people in my life that I'm to care for. God has given me these small tasks. It's the same with you. This is why the small things that you do, this is why they're valuable. Because the, the most brilliant mind in the universe designed them for you. 
God is smarter than you can imagine. He loves us more than you can imagine. And He has given you those small jobs. He has given you those little noses to wipe. He's giving you those little five-minute prayers at the end of every day with your little kid. He's giving you those millions of conversations. He's giving you that old person in your life who some, some, some reason likes you, and so you, you, have an, you have an opportunity for kindness with them, to be there for them, to care for them. Someday we're going to get back to church with nursery, and everybody who can hear Haddon adding her comments to the sermon back in the back there is looking forward to the day when we're going to get back to nursery. Someday we're going to get back to nursery. And you're going to, you're going to have the, your time in the nursery, those of you who work in the nursery, you're going to have those stinking diapers to change. You're going to have your small tasks to do. We're going to get back to children's church and this and that and the other thing. These, these opportunities have been given to us by God Himself. He's the one who's made us good at what we're good at. And if we're not good at something, He's in charge of that as well. This is why it's valuable. I've been thinking about this this week. Um, I probably, and I u- I'm using the word glamorous really loosely, but I probably have the, the most glamorous job at First Baptist Church. The, the, the task every week that needs to be done that probably gives the most glamorous, again, I'm using that word loosely, is the Sunday morning sermon. If you, looked at, if you look at Numbers chapter 4, I mean, you could see where the, the Merorites could have been jealous of the Gershonites and the Gershonites could have been jealous of the Kohathites because there, there is a level of just some jobs are more interesting than others. Right? And I was thinking about um, the, the being the sort of the public face of First Baptist Church, and I've been thinking about being the public voice of First Baptist Church um, over the internet the last few weeks, and I've just been thinking about that a lot lately. And I, I've realized something again, and I'm going to have to learn it again and again and again and again. If if I personally don't find contentment, because here's the thing. Preaching the Sunday morning sermon, even though I love it, it's easily my most favorite part of my job. I love it. It's just like anything else. It becomes a task. It becomes something I have to get done. It becomes something on my checklist. I have to get it done. And so it becomes this thing that I have to do. And I've learned, and I'll have to keep learning, that if I'm not finding contentment and joy and validation in the fact that God has given this opportunity to me, then I'm not going to find it anywhere. There aren't enough Facebook likes in the world. There aren't enough thank yous in the world. There's not enough external signs of fruit in the world. Any of that stuff, if I'm not finding my contentment in God, any of that other stuff is just going to make me hungry for more. I've learned that the hard way many times, and I'm probably going to keep learning it. If I'm not satisfied in the fact that the God who's brilliant, who loves us more than we can imagine, who's smarter than we can imagine, has given me this opportunity with this group of people in this time in history, if that's not enough for me, nothing ever will be. 
Let's find contentment in the grace and the wisdom of God. So every job is important because every job is specifically designed by God or specifically given by God. Number two, every job is important because every small job is a piece of the big puzzle. Every small job is a piece of the big puzzle. Some of these jobs were little. I mean, they were picking up bases and and picking up tent pegs and, and those kinds of things. And I think you've probably noticed that, that the church ministry, that, that making disciples, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of jobs, listen, that wouldn't be noticed unless they don't get done. Like I've talked about nursery workers. I mean, if a, if a nursery worker changes a diaper, I'm probably never going to know. But if they don't change a diaper, well, I'll probably know when they hand me my kid. Oh. Oh, that job didn't get done. There's a lot of jobs like that. We don't notice them unless someone doesn't do them. Right? I think teaching youth Sunday school is like this. How was Sunday school today? It was pretty good. Something missing. Oh, there wasn't a teacher, though. I, think, I don't think my kids would really notice <laughs> um, unless the person's not there. I was a youth pastor for a while, so I know. A lot of jobs are like that. A lot of things you do, like Happy Mother's Day stuff, a lot of Mother's Day, a lot of Mother's stuff is stuff that no one notices unless it doesn't get done. This chapter, though, is reminding us that every single small task is a, is a vital piece of a much bigger picture. If these Kohathites don't do their job and they don't do it correctly, the glory of God is diminished in some way. The glory of God is diminished some way. They are are all of these 8,000 and whatever it was, 30 to 50 year old Levites, they all had their task to do. And each of those, in that 8,500 piece puzzle, each of them, in the end, created something really, really cool. It was the glory of God. Nothing less than the glory of God was on display in this tabernacle and the way it was, it was intricately set up. But a lot, of those, a lot of those guys, their job doesn't get noticed unless it doesn't get done. This chapter is reminding us that, that we, we each have, and this is what the New Testament reinforces in all kinds of different ways. We each provide a very important piece of the puzzle. None of us can do everything None of us can do everything. All of us, all of us have an important part. Because all of us are members, body of Christ, the New Testament teaches us. All of us are members of the local church. And we all bring something unique and and, and important to the table. And just like in the Old Testament, nothing less than the glory of God is at stake here. As a church, let's remember that we're each going to do our own thing, the thing that God has given us, the thing that we're good at, the thing that we have bandwidth for, the, the, the thing that we can do. We're each going to do our thing because we want, to be, we want to be part of God's glory. We want to be part of displaying and making a big deal of and shining a light on God's glory. Each of us are a small piece of the puzzle. 
Number three, this is why, this brings us to number three, each small job is worthy of our best efforts. God places an expectation on people in Numbers chapter 4. And He places that same expectation on us. Every job is worthy of our best effort. Did you notice in here over and over and over in Numbers chapter 4 that it, that, it said, that it said every male between the ages of 30 and 50. 30 and 50. What's significant about those years? Those are the, in that time period, those are the best years of their lives. The, the most productive years of their lives. The, the years of their lives where they were their strongest. They were to give their best decades to God. They were to give of the best to the Lord. And this is, this is exactly how it is with us. It's not that we give the years between 30 and 50 and the rest of them we do what we want. That's not the principle. The principle is, no matter what, we give our best to the Lord. I have a, um, I have a way I'm going to apply this real quick to all of us. Um, but, or to, not to all of us, but I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to talk just to um, dads for a minute, who have small children up to teenagers at home. Right? So you, so if you're not a dad with small children or teenagers in your home, then you, you think of how, what you do have going on and you apply it um, to your own life. But, but dads, think with me. This is the way it hit me and it hit me hard this week. If you have child or children there in your house, you have a built-in discipleship opportunity. You have, the, you have the opportunity to be used by God to, to make a disciple, to help that young child learn what the Bible says and what it means. You have an opportunity to, to speak the Gospel to that child, to help them to understand what it means to trust and follow Jesus. And so if you're looking outside of that opportunity for like validation or affirmation or excitement, then I have one word for you. And this word actually came from my, my, my favorite seven-year-old boy, currently favorite seven-year-old boy in the universe. He lives with me. He's all kinds of fun. And every once in a while, when, he just, when things are just too much for him, he's just too frustrated, he will, he will say to me, or to his mom, which is even better, he'll say, dude! Dude! That's just his word. That's his catch-all word. It, it packs a lot of emotion. And this is my word for you. If you're looking outside of discipling those little, those little kids in your house, if you're looking outside of that for some sort of important outlet for your best energy, dude! What else could you want? What's more important? Where is it? Let's put our strength, our best strength, our best effort... Let's put, let's put it where it matters. Dude! Love that boy. He heard me practice in the sermon. He says, don't use that. I was like, dude! Put your, put your best effort into being the spiritual leader of your home. And then if you're, you know, if you're some other walk of life, you... You, you have your opportunities that God has given you. Put your best effort into what matters. Serving God. Yes, it's a series of small, thankless tasks. Yes, of course it is. 
It, 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 God has put an expectation here. Your best effort. This is what matters for this time period. All right, finally, number four. Number four. Every small job was done in light of their inheritance. So every small job is done now in light of our inheritance. Every small job is done in light of our inheritance. So we, I mean, we, we know as we're doing these small jobs, we know these have been given to us by God Himself. And we, we know that God has brought us to this place and God has given us these small tasks. And, and we know that each of these small jobs is is part of a, a much bigger puzzle. And we don't have to even understand what that big puzzle looks like. We don't, we don't have to know that. We can know that God is using each of us in our own small way for His glory. And this is why all of this is worthy of our best effort. And then as we wrap up, we see every small job is to be done in, in light of our inheritance. One of the most interesting things about the Levites isn't mentioned here in this chapter. Um, it's found in other places in Scripture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read De- Deuteronomy 18, verse 2. And so, but this is, it shows up in Joshua, and it shows up sort of in Numbers. We'll see that in about 20 chapters. Um, but I, one of the most interesting things is that when the, the Levites, or when the people of Israel were were given the land. When they finally get to the promised land, and we're going to see numbers. This is, a, this is quite a journey. When they finally get to the promised land, and they're getting ready to divide it up, every other tribe gets a parcel of land. Every family and every other tribe, they have their own allotment. They've got their own parcel of land in the promised land, but the, the Levites don't. They're not promised any land. They're not going to be given any land in the promised land. Deuteronomy 18.2 says, They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. Then it says this, The Lord is their inheritance, as He promised them. The Lord is their inheritance. This is what the Levites were looking forward to. Everybody else was looking forward to their place in the promised land. Their acreage, acreage in the promised land. The Levites... We're looking forward to being in the presence of the Lord forever. This was their inheritance. God Himself. Their nearness to God was going to be all the inheritance that they could ever need. And this is how it is for us, for this royal priesthood today. As we do our small jobs, as we as we do our thankless tasks, as we, in and out, we're just faithful with the pegs and the cords and the goatskin coverings and the, and the dirty diapers and the little conversations and, the, and the, the, uh, the ways that we serve in the church and the ways that we bless our neighbors and the ways, just as we do these little things over and over and over and over, we remember our inheritance. We remember that because of Jesus Christ, we have been brought near to God. We've been brought near to God. We should be alienated from God. We should feel nothing but the wrath of God. And yet, and yet Christ has broken all of that down. And He's brought us to God. And we're going to be with God forever. And Scripture says, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy forevermore. Is that the inheritance that you're looking forward to? 
this morning? The inheritance you're looking forward to? I hope that you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I hope you've understood that you're not right now. If, you, if you're apart from Christ, if your faith is not in Christ, then you are far from God. And when, and when eternity comes, you're going to know nothing but the, the wrath of God. I, I hope this morning that you have trusted Christ as your Savior. Please reach out to us if you want to know more about that. And then for those of us who have, by God's grace, believed the Gospel, I, I encourage you this week, you're going to get your opportunities to, to, to speak the truth people you care about. You're going to get your opportunities to serve. You're going to get your opportunities to be a blessing, to serve God in small ways, in a series of really, really small ways. Remember, God God designed this. God has given this to you. This comes from the wisdom and the grace of God. And this is is part of, of a huge picture. His glory being displayed in His church. Is there anything worth more of our effort than that? And you will get discouraged, and when you do, remember your inheritance. You're going to be near God forever, and in His presence there is fullness of joy forevermore. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your Word. We thank you for whatever it is you're doing. Well, we don't know what we don't know what you're doing. We don't know what you're doing through all of this COVID nineteen stuff specifically for our church. We don't know. We don't know. Um, we don't know why we're having technical difficulties this morning. We don't know why. We should, there's a I, we could go through a list. We could go through a long list of we don't know why. And they, they could start way back in our past. But we do know, God, that you have brought us to this place. You have brought us to this place in our lives. You have brought us thus far by your grace, by your wisdom. And your grace will bring us home. We are confident of that, God. And we are confident that whatever small jobs are laid out in front of us this week, that you have laid them there. And they are for your glory. And they are worthy of our best effort. So I pray, God, that you would strengthen us for this week. You would encourage us for this week. And you remind us of your, the great inheritance that you've promised us. We thank you for your wonderful love to us. In Christ's name, amen.